0: So obviously want to talk about the new tunes and uh, get your opinion on a couple of things and talk some music and talk some Halloween. But um, mm-hmm. I, ge- I guess we got to start off by saying uh, thank God for the deluxe edition of Finding God Before God Finds Me, which brings me to a whole bunch of questions. Were these three new killer tunes, were they written and recorded at the time of the album and maybe just not perfected or were they kind of written post album? After the fact.
1: Um, they were kind of written uh, in the process of finishing Finding God Before God Finds Me. And um, at the time, the uh, Finding God was more so just, it was a very linear album. The track list was very set in stone. And we had pretty much decided once it, all the songs were written and the order was selected and the rollout and stuff was predetermined, we wanted it to be its own entity and its own concept. And we had those songs Those three extra songs That are on the deluxe Kind of in our back pocket They weren't entirely finished But they were finished For the most part And we kind of I don't know if it was Intentional or not Honestly But we realized It might be better To hold off on releasing them And wait for a better time And I I think we made uh, The right call By just doing a re-release And adding those Three extra tracks Because it gave a whole new uh, Extension of of life And energy And excitement And hype to our band When we were doing Our first headline tour As well as uh, You know now Obviously with the whole COVID-19 stuff It's hard to, to find stuff to fill the time and, and, and you know keep content out there for your fans as a band so uh, I think the timing worked out with how we did it
0: yeah I mean like you of course predicted the pandemic no I'm kidding but uh, <laughs> but it did kind of work out to bring attention back to the album and uh, wanted to of course talk about the tunes and certainly Limits and been turning up that on the radio and it's funny because I've been kind of saying like to my audience like you've been done dirty right like so is this dude and right. that kind of seems to be what that uh, tune is about and kind Kind of a strike first, strike hard, show no mercy, too, back at them.
1: Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's definitely what it is. It's more of like an underdog, like, uh, I don't know, revenge type song, if you will.
0: I love it. What well, Can you talk about, was it a kind of a, a, would that come from a personal story or was that kind of an amalgamation of just kind of that character?
1: Um, well, when it comes to writing lyrics, I, I don't like to make things too specific just because i like to keep things ambiguous enough that it's relatable to people in their own situations you know like so there's a a small degree of like detail that i I don't include just because i i don't want it to be too personal just for me and not relatable for everyone else and if i can sneak some subtleties in there so people know you know what it's about specifically that know me or like the band's lore or the band's history great but if not you know I'd, i'd rather just go uh, the simple route but that song in particular was actually about uh, a pretty silly situation actually in 2018 that our band had with uh, two other bands involving a tour that we ended up uh, dropping off of and there was this whole you know ridiculous online sensation of just of drama and uh you know our, our fans fighting on the internet over over like who was right and who was wrong. And it was it was just really silly and more or less the way that those bands handled that situation compared to how we handled it, I thought was just childish and unprofessional, especially for how long they've been around. And that, that's kind of what inspired the, uh, the lyrics behind limits. But as I said, I, I don't like to just, you know, hone it on, hone the message of the song into that in particular, just because it was so long ago. And I don't want to just that be, you know, the, the lore of the song all on its own, but that was definitely the inspiration of the song. And I, there's a, there's a few, again, like I said, like subtle, you know, words here and there in the song that I think our deeper fans know what it's about and who it's about. But, you know, for the most part, it was just inspiration for a good.
0: Song. <laughs> it's about nobody, but if you have the special decoder ring, wink, wink, nod, nod, <laughs> you know what it's about.
1: Yeah, yeah, there's a there's one little line in there I think that paints it pretty clear for anyone that was around for that situation. But otherwise, it's just a good song I think.
0: I love it. And uh, not to not to get anyone in trouble, let's uh, talk about the the brilliant cover of the Duran Duran classic "Come Undone." And I always felt like that could use a little bit more guitars. But talk about the idea. Whose idea was that? Was that your idea to cover that tune? Who who thought of that one?
1: That cover was actually even older than the two other songs, Limits and Never Know, on the, on the deluxe issue. I, I was uh, in Ohio, uh, I think it was 2017 or maybe even 2016, I can't remember, but I was uh, helping a friend of mine that also produces and records on a project he was doing uh, with another band. And we had an extra day of free time and we decided we'd just do a cover of a song that we liked. His name's Andrew Bayless, by the way. I'll I'll plug him. He's a great producer. Yeah, we just decided to cover that and we did like the outline of like a demo for it and we kind of forgot about it (laughs) and we just had it like deep in a dropbox somewhere and then when we realized we were doing the deluxe reissue and we were going to add two extra songs we're like well so an entire reissue let's let's try to add as much as we can to it as far as content goes and tracks go so we dug that up and kind of revamped it and dove back into it because we always liked it we just never really had a reason to release it and we attached that on there as well
0: I'm so glad you did, because it's a, a brilliant cover, and, and I'm certainly a, a metalhead, and my wife, not at all, but I sent her that, and I was like, take a listen to that, and she was like, that's pretty good. You know, she, nice, she, rarely, yeah. she rarely gives it up for, like, the metal bands, but she was like, I, I like that. I like the, the guitars up on that.
1: Yeah, was co- covers like, yeah. are a are good gateway, I think, for, you know, other other songs that people like that aren't really in the rock and metal world, and, you know, kind of slowly walking them across that bridge. <laughs>
0: Yeah, because you know what, and that kind of leads me into some other things I wanted to talk about, because ultimately what a cover does, it says, hey, look, we're both a fan of this same song, and it opens up their ideas, Mm -hmm. their heads to you as a band or an artist, and that's why I always, like, have have these little music games i like to play with everyone that i talk to and i think it's probably a kind of a good segue into it since we're talking about it because ultimately when you're covering a duran duran song you're saying i'm a fan of that band like ultimately what you do you're a music fan at the end of the day mm-hmm. i'm a music fan at the end of the day i'm a music nerd is really more like it so i I've yeah. created these little music games to play to kind of show your influences in a, in a different way and kind of putting bands in categories and then kind of making you pick your favorite out of the bunch. Let me throw some bands at you that I've put into a category and and to kind of encapsulate a a time period of music. And I'm sure that these bands have penetrated you in one way or another. Maybe you hate them. Maybe you love them. Maybe you've barely heard of them, but I'm sure you have an opinion. So I'm going to put you in a DeLorean and kind of take you back to like the early nineties for what I've lovingly entitled the flannel five. So this is kind of the bands that were kind of ruling the world during this time period. And I'm curious to learn your favorite, not that any of these could tour or anything, and no one can tour these days, but just kind of your favorite out of Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Stone Temple Pilots, Alice in Chains, Mm. Soundgarden. Out of those five, who's your numero uno out of the flannel five?
1: (laughs) The flannel five, that is so perfect. Um, (laughs) That's a tricky one. Definitely between uh, Soundgarden and Pearl Jam, but I would say uh, Pearl Jam for sure, that's, I, just mostly because that's the one that I, I think I know the most songs from, and wow. I listen to the most.
0: Pearl Jam, it, kind of the, really the last man standing, but tell me what you love about Pearl Jam. Is it, is it Eddie Vedder and his voice and his songwriting, or what is it? What stands out to you?
1: I really think it's Eddie Vedder and his voice, to be honest. He, it's, the hooks are catchy, and the riffs are catchy, and all that's great, but I feel like, a lot of the times what really gives a band its magic, or any artist really, is is the singer and, and their cadence and, and their deliveries, just kind of the way they say things and their inflections and stuff. And Pearl Jam has, it's the type of band where like, whether you're joking around, like mocking them or not, or you're just genuinely singing along, it's like, it's impossible to put into a box with another singer, I feel like, especially with a song like Even Flow. You know, like it's just like at this point with me and my friends that listen to the same type of music and that same era of music, it's almost like a joke just doing the even flow verse, like no 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 I'm in the concrete you know, like you just you can't make that stuff up. <laughs>
0: It's like the free and bird of the
1: uh, 90s. Yeah, exactly. It's just so memorable. Like you hear that song or you hear someone even just mumble that, that arrangement of, of syllables with that tone and you know what they're singing. And I think that's, that's a powerful thing for a band to have that someone can just joke around and like mumble a melody and everyone's like, oh, I know exactly what that is.
0: Yeah, that's how, that's how much you've penetrated society.
1: That's yeah, it. exactly.
0: So, okay, Pearl Jam. So Pearl Jam numero uno of the flannel five. Mm-hmm. Love it. So follow me here. We're gonna we're gonna add one to it and, and go. That was kind of more like the early '90s, right? So we're gonna kick it up into the l- later '90s. I fa- imagine this one's gonna be a little bit more tougher for you. And uh, okay. since we're gonna add one to it, we name this one the New Metal Six Pack. So Perfect. this is gonna be Rage Against the Machine, Corn, Lincoln <laughs> Park, Slipknot, Disturbed. Or a System of a Down. Damn, when biscuits not on there, is it? You know what? They were originally, but nobody will pick them, and so it got to the point well. like, why well, put them on there? I, they're going to be back uh, on there at some point, but they were on there. Originally.
1: I would have picked them for sure. Oh, <laughs> uh, so so you said Lincoln Park, Disturbed, Slipknot, System, Machine, Corn. System, Corn. What was the sixth one? Corn. Wow. Definitely between disturb and, and Lincoln Park I would say would that, be my choice. It's I really I can't tell, man. i probably listened to the sickness and hybrid theory and, and Meteora like a thousand times in my lifetime. <laughs> I guess I would have to say, uh I'd have to say Lincoln Park, I feel like. I feel like that's like just, just by a little bit, I would I say I, I listen to that more than Disturbed growing up because Disturbed is one of my all-time favorite metal bands. But uh, Lincoln Park really has a way of uh, I guess putting you in your fields. Their melodies are just unbeatable.
0: Yeah, I was going to say it sounded like you mentioned two Lincoln Park albums and only one Disturbed earlier. Right? Yeah, rattling them off. Yeah, and yeah. You know, I guess no that's
1: way. a that's a good point. I, Disturbed, I would say the Sickness and Indestructible were my two favorites. I really liked those a lot. But yeah, when it comes to what I listen to the most, I, I think Lincoln Park takes the cake on that one. And that's kind of a similar thing with both those bands is uh, David Draymond and Chester Bennington. They have this iconic and just like uncopyable (laughs) that's even a word cadence and delivery when they when they sing and perform that is just so powerful and like captivating and they, they 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 each have their own like Weird little unique like ticks and inflections that you can tell it's them just by hearing like one song, even if it was a song of theirs you've never heard before. and You hear this, the vocals come in, you you know who it is.
0: Since you're, so you're picking Linkin Park and and dude with it being like the 20th anniversary of of Hybrid Theory, can you take me back? Do you remember the first time you heard Hybrid Theory?
1: Uh, yeah, I think I do. I I think it was uh it was either on MTV or Fuse or something, or it was some like it was some music uh, video, some channel that still played music videos. <laughs> I think <laughs> I was maybe nine or 10. I can't remember exactly how old I was when Hybrid Theory came. I'm guessing it was like some like, channel that was doing uh, just a bunch of like, I just kept it on in my room and it was always playing like rock and metal music videos and uh i it just like as soon as i as soon as i heard it well no wait i'm thinking of meteora right cuz i'm i'm 24 so i think it was actually meteora that i had heard first from Linkin Park and then i got back into hybrid theory so ah uh-huh. so second album and yeah, then back so. to the first yeah, it was it the same with Small Out Boy, too. I, I got into their second album first, and then once I became a fan, I dove backwards and, and checked out the first one. So, yeah, I, uh, I, I guess I can't say the first time I heard Hybrid Theory, because <laughs> the first time I heard Linkin Park, it was Meteora. I think it was Numb or something. That was, like, around when I was getting into Rock is when Numb came out, I believe. Let me look it up.
0: Numb was on... No,
1: it was, um, was Meteora. Oh, it was. Okay. Yeah, 2003, March 25th, 2003. Damn. Well,
0: just for since you're looking at it, pick one off of pick one off of uh, of a hybrid theory just for the fun of it, just for the twentieth anniversary of it.
1: Uh, let me see. I would say crawling for sure. Crawling. Nice. Yeah.
0: You know, one other thing I did want to bring up is speaking of blasphemy to to kind of learn about you to read about some of your influences, and for a guy that pushes knobs, and we didn't even get into Winds of Plague, and how cool is that? What Art Cruz is doing these days, and how his career uh-huh. is, is taken off. But for a guy who pushes buttons and for a singer and a songwriter like yourself, I was surprised mm-hmm. to see not Nine Inch Nails listed on influences for you. Are you a Nine Inch Nails fan? Oh,
1: man, it's, uh, my, my relationship and opinion with Nine Inch Nails is, is so just uh, all over the place. Cause uh, our former bass player, Vincent, he is probably the biggest Nine Inch Nails fan I or you will ever meet. And um, when we were getting into the production and stuff on, on the Bad Omens uh, music side of things, him and so many other people that we were working with like kept mentioning like how they could hear Trent Reznor and Nine Inch Nails' influence. And I, I was never like a huge fan of Nine Inch Nails. Like I, I like the singles, of course, they're great songs. And like every now and then, something from like Ghosts will come on in the score of a movie or some HBO show, and I'm like, oh, this is incredible. What is this? And I find out, of course, it's Trent Reznor, and Atticus Ross. But yeah, like dating back to like the the Bad Omens production and all that the band does, and I do, I I never really uh, got a lot of inspiration from Nine Inch Nails. And people have commented on how they hear that. So it's, it's kind of flattering to me because it was an entirely like blind, accidental inspiration. I feel like, because we were like, wow, this this reminds me so much of this or, or this production that Trent Reznor did. And I'm like, I've, I've never heard that. <laughs> like, And I, I do like it because 9-inch Nails, they have such an in, insane catalog and such a large catalog as this Trent Reznor that even to this day, because I, I did eventually dive pretty deep into them. Like even to this day, there's still stuff I'm hearing or discovering that I had, I didn't know about that. I'm just like, this is incredible. So it's, I don't know. I would say Nine Inch Nails is just a gift that keeps on giving (laughs) because they just, Trinidad in particular, the producer is just always doing something cool and exciting.
0: So you do know the catalog, though. You've listened to Pretty Hate Machine. You've listened to The Downward Spiral.
1: Yeah, there's, we, a lot of long drives on tour. Vincent has given me the rundown, just the entire, this is what we're going to listen to in this order. And then tomorrow night we're listening to this, just on long you know 10 hour drives from city to city and yeah I've, i'm definitely familiarized myself enough with it
0: okay so at this then point. so then no it goes like this cuz this is a debate i got into with my wife she's not a metalhead but she we both love 9 inch nails and we were debating mm-hmm. about 9 inch nails album 1 pretty hate machine versus album 2 the downward spiral mm-hmm. got to pick a favorite out of the two which one
1: is your numero uno out of out of those two <sighs> I mean, I have to look at the track, list, us remember what songs are on each one. I definitely would say, oh yeah, for sure, The Downward Spiral for me. I feel like that one had a little a larger amount of songs that were a bit more accessible, in a sense, uh, especially for like someone that was you know, just getting into, or someone that is just getting into like rock or metal. And that, that's the thing when I say like my relationship with Nine Inch Nails is kind of all over the place, because there's like a lot of songs by them. Like I don't particularly care for like there's just cause there's just so many. It's like, I've at least me personally, I'm like, there's no way I could write this many songs <laughs> and they're all just incredible. So it's right. like, for me, it's the songs that I, that I love. I really love one of some of my favorite songs ever. And then there's songs on there that I'm just like, I would, never like remember what it was if I heard it again just because there's so many to like memorize you know
0: for sure for sure but just looking at the track list and you're see you're like me you're leaning towards uh the downward spiral then
1: definitely most definitely
0: despite like for i'm, I'm like you i don't never need to hear closer again but overall i think that album as a whole has some some brilliant songs and takes you through some different peaks and valleys where i think the first album pretty hate machine which was kind of his introduction to the world was was really groundbreaking but it was all kind of it all sounded a little like in the same kind of vein at all all those songs sound well, I, like I produced then
1: i think hurt is one of like the greatest songs ever written yeah. <laughs> of all time for sure and just the fact that that's on the Downward spiral would, would help me tell me instantly that downward spiral would be my favorite.
0: It's hurt that does it for you. Okay, awesome. No, I appreciate all the time. Last couple of things transition out of uh, music and, and talk. Just since it's Halloween season and uh, your bad omens, and you know, speaking of which, <laughs> can you do me a favor at some point in your career? Just I'm just gonna plant this little seed in your head. Yes. Yeah. Do me a favor, and at some point in your career, write a song called Damien. <laughs> The Omen, huh? Yes. I want to announce oh. on the radio, New Bad Omens, Damien. Like, come on. <laughs> at least at some point, that Maybe has Maybe we'll do
1: happen. a Halloween special song. This is one single release for Halloween sometime. Some
0: it doesn't even have to be Halloween, dude. Just to call it Damien at any point, and it could be a killer song. And it just—I'm just planting that seed. <laughs> but, but uh, uh, in all seriousness, like out of the like classic, like you know the the Jason Voorhees, the Michael Myers, the Freddy Krueger. Do you have a favorite of those slashers?
1: You know, I I really wish I did. I have a good friend that's super into all the classic horror movies, and it's just like his entire personality. <laughs> But uh, I uh, I don't really have a favorite. I, I guess if I had to choose, I would take Jason Voorhees and uh, that whole series. But uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not a super old school horror guy to be honest. <laughs>
0: Do you have a favorite costume of all time that you worn yeah, yourself?
1: I definitely think the scariest one from that whole umbrella of of horror movies would be uh, Michael Myers, his mask. It's it's just so lifeless and just like I don't know how to explain it. I think its simplicity is what makes it so scary. For sure, and then the, and the fact that the hair is just like you know, it's just it's just like so like it's like a a, a psycho killer's just first choice at the Halloween store at Spirit Halloween. <laughs> just whatever, this is a mask, right? This will work. Covers up my face. <laughs> Got it. <laughs>
0: the the faceless mask. It's perfect. Yeah,
1: it's just a it's just a stock like pale man's face. Really, if you break it down, and it's just so ridiculously simple that it's terrifying. <laughs>
0: that's what's scary about it, that there is no expression. You're like, this guy's holding a knife, but he—yeah, I can't tell if he's smiling or if he's angry or he's happy or he's like...
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's so neutral. It's it's so hard to read.
0: Well, dude, Noah, it's been a blast talking to you. I appreciate all the time and the killer tunes. God, hopefully life gets back to normal sooner than later and I see you out there on the road. Can't wait to hear these tunes live.
1: That would be be great. Thank you for having me, man. Thanks for the time. You too. Later.
0: Dude, you rock! Thanks for checking out the entire podcast. Now, do me a favor and subscribe to it. Radioactive Mike Z, available on all the major platforms. And while you're at it, follow me on Instagram at MikeZ967, and I'll follow you back, bro. Most importantly, don't miss the show, Wired in the Empire. Reach Saturday night, 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on 96.7 Kcal Rocks.